This is the Norris Group's Real Estate Investor Radio Show. The award-winning show dedicated to thought leaders shaping the real estate industry and local experts revealing their insider tips to succeed in an ever-changing real estate market. Hosted by author, investor, and hard money lender, Bruce Norris. I thank you for joining us. My name is Bruce Norris, and today our special guest is Jeff Tumbarello. He is the founder of Southwest Florida Real Estate Investment Association with three other Southwest Florida real estate investors. As an investor himself, he has been a part of every type of real estate transaction. He considers himself a local expert and source of data for current real estate trends and foreclosures. Jeff has also performed market metrics and uh, product modeling for capital markets and private equity firms. Jeff has contributed on real estate in general, uh, real estate statistics, investing in foreclosures on several media outlets, including NPR, Bloomberg, Huffington Post, Wall Street Journal, and many local stations like NBC, ABC, Link, and Fox. Jeff grew up in Stewart, Florida. He's a veteran of the U.S. Marine Corps and served in Desert Shield and Desert Storm as an infantryman with 1st Battalion, 3rd Marines. Jeff loves talking real estate and has a passion for helping other investors with their careers in any way he can. Jeff, we welcome you to our show. How you doing, Bruce? I'm good. Good to see you again. Um, thank you for your service, too, by the way. Thank you. Um, that was fun last, uh, a couple nights ago, or was it last? No, it was a couple nights ago. That was a lot of fun. Been a yeah, it was. <laughs> I, I love your group, and they seemed already warmed up to statistics. You've, are, you've already got them warmed up for that stuff. <laughs> we, uh, we made a decision in like 06 to never go back to the uh, platform sales model. And yeah. we've just been primarily primarily doing, you know, <clears throat> guys, talk, not guys uh, investors talking about what they're doing. Uh, we've had a great series where we've got some, uh, some older investors in the RIA pretty successful and they just kind of go to a luncheon and tell their story, how they got started. And those are a lot of fun. Yeah. Like uh, we have one guy, uh, Hugh Barber, he was at the thing. I don't know if you got to talk to him. He, uh, was in the front row on the right and, uh, he sold, I want to say he said 20 million comic books after world war II. Oh my uh, at, gosh. And then parlayed that into real estate and then moved here. And at one point, I think he had three, a portfolio of over 300 properties free and clear. Wow. Yeah. And still driving the same car and living in the same condo as 20 years ago. That's a cool story. Well, um, I love that kind of a club. You know, when you speak, you can tell why the club exists very quickly. You know, if it's about raising money and, uh, you know, getting every dime out of every pocket in the audience, uh, that's not my kind of club. Yeah. So, so you guys. I refer to it as lemming herders. So <laughs> they, uh, some of them, uh, which the irony, uh, we have an assistant in the Philippines and once a month uh, we have an app that has every RIA that we're aware of in the country or every group like ours, meetups, all that. And she actually captures all their meeting topics and then emails me and the other director a spreadsheet of what the current meeting topics in the country are to give us an idea of what's going on. And I used to think we were the anomaly and more and more the norm is groups like ours. I mean, yeah. the bigger cities can still support that, that info product model. Most of them do some sort of uh, mentoring program as well, but the meetings are more what I call content-based, not, not, not sales-based. Okay. 
uh, I wanted to ask you a question. How did being a Marine, and actually you are still a Marine, that's one thing that's kind of cool. That's a lifetime assignment. How does it change or how has it assisted you in business and life? It's actually a blessing and a curse at the same time. Uh, I, I've thought about writing a book about as you get older and, you know, now to me, the Marine Corps is a bit of a memory unless we all talk. And then I'm amazed at how bigger, stronger and faster we were back then. <laughs> it's, it's amazing at how we were all uh, John Rambo back in our day. And uh, it, at the point, it didn't feel like that. But the uh, I mean, it teaches you discipline, motivation, all that. But there's some things I've had to unlearn as uh, from the Marine Corps. Like, you know, if, if they say, take this hill, everybody dies taking the hill. Right. In business, that's probably not the smartest thing. If everybody's about to die taking this, this goal, then we probably should pivot and figure out a better way to do it. You know, <laughs> so it, it's, it, 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 it's a blessing and a curse, but it, and the Marine in you is very much, you know, pin your ears back, let's go. And uh, part of that is I've had to unlearn some of that of, yeah, let's take a step back. Uh, can we be doing this a better way? Not just what's in front of us. And that's, you know, and, and there you're taught, obey the orders, go up the hill. If we all die, we all die. We have to accomplish the mission. Okay. And uh, business is so different than that. Okay. Well, that's, the, that's a good perspective. I like, I like that. How did you get interested in, in trends and trying to figure out how things work? Like everybody else, uh, watched a market cycle creep up on me that I really wasn't aware happening. Uh, and I just more and more I realized and as the, the, the more successful investors that I met were the ones that really knew what was going on in the market. Because like your presentation, uh, my company, Steelbridge Realty, uh, our motto is timing is everything. Okay. So that's why I was loving your presentation. I felt like I was, I'm like, I feel like I'm talking to me just maybe <laughs> six months older. So, but the, uh, I was, uh, you know, that's, so timing is everything. And more importantly, just understanding where the market is. There's really nothing new that happens under the sun anymore. There's different modalities. There's different depths. There's different durations, but we're really just living the same cycle over and over again. It's like the movie Groundhog Day. And the key is, is to kind of figure it all out and you're never going to maximize And anybody that claims they can time a market perfectly is deluding themselves. Yes. But what you, what you can do is not get caught up in the market. You know, you, 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 your timing can be good. You're never, your timing will never be perfect. If that makes any sense. Yeah. No, you don't even, cause I don't even think I've solved everything. You know, I'm always constantly learning like your take on, how things work. I read your report last night that you produced in what, 2009 for your club. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, that has actually that wrote toys. that for me. Okay. I really did write that for me. I sat down with one of my mentors. He showed me most of that data. I thought he was right, but then I didn't believe him because, you know, the first time you're really presented with the facts, a lot of times there's a recoil. So I actually went home from that coffee session and recreated every chart and graph that he had downloaded every bit of that I was up all night and I downloaded the data and then I took a step back and then I went back the next day and then I double checked a lot of the data and really uh really just looked at it with a with a fresh set of eyes and that's where I came up with you know it, even though it, at the point in this market it felt like the end of the world it was really just a new beginning yeah, you know what I, I love about charts that it takes the emotion 
for me, it takes the emotion of whatever's going on and makes, makes sense of it and where I can make very calm decisions that are completely opposite of the crowd and, yeah. and feel confident. It doesn't mean you're always right, but you know why you made the decision. That's all I ever want out of myself. It's like when I write a document, I would say exactly the same thing again, even if the outcome was incorrect. I would say based on what I knew, and I would have, I would have said that twice. Well, I don't mind being wrong. I mean, you never want to be wrong, but I don't mind if I'm wrong with with due diligence and analysis. What I don't want to be wrong with is because I shot from the hip and didn't do the work. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, in 2019, you know, the California market was was actually slowing, which was it's very unusual. Usually when California has momentum and maybe it's true in Florida, it gains momentum and gains momentum because it's emotional uh, a real estate's an emotional thing. And the better real estate does, the more people want to pack on. Mm-hmm. Well, in 2019 and 2018, we were actually losing steam to where it was looking like we were going to go to a flat market. And so, and all those things were at the same time with the best charts we ever had, no foreclosures in the marketplace and on and on, everything was bullish and no result. So we thought we were really probably at the end of a cycle. And then the coronavirus hits and kicks it into overdrive. So, yeah, same thing. What we thought was going to happen in 2020 got changed very radically. And now, now it's California as usual. We're now we're racing to our ending point, you know, and we still have a ways to go. And it's, it's fun. You know, I, I'm so glad that I know you're willing to share the statistics with me because I, I would love to play with Florida the same way I have California to try to figure it out. <laughs> Sounds like we need to just jump in a conference room with, I've got all the data. I've got, I've got an insane amount of data. I, I always keep the data. Uh, I even have every foreclosure and you really only accurate in Lee County back to about 87. So I have every foreclosure in CSV from 87 forward. Cause I was really wow. trying Cause you always want to take the current overlay and figure out where are we really? Right. So, I mean, uh, the last downturn, everybody was trying to correlate this to like the 87 because of the sharp crash in the stock market, except for the SNL crisis was big commercial led it with residential as a, what I, you know, just riding along the same train to where this one, the last cycle was residential dragging everything else with it. Absolutely. Um, you got you started the club in 2003. What was what was the mood of the attendee about real estate at that time in 2003? Well, it, it was a good market. It wasn't an insane market. Uh, there was a group of us that would go over to the Dayton Broward meetings and we really enjoyed the meetings and we're, we're like and there had been a couple attempts to do them over here, but they're just there were some of the clubs from Dayton Broward tried to expand over to here and they didn't really have the local footprint. They didn't have the network. And uh, between the four of us, we kind of knew everybody. So our first meeting, we invited Bob Hunter, the Dade Rhea, who's kind of the godfather of all those clubs over there in Dade. They call him the King of Liberty City because he owns so many rentals there. Okay. And we had Bob speak we were at some barbecue restaurant that had a private room and we had to commit to 20 chicken dinners for them to give us the room. Okay. So we advertised it out and the joke was everybody has to take home five chicken dinners. If nobody shows up, it's not the end of the world <laughs> to have to eat barbecue chicken for a couple of days. We tried something. It didn't work. 
And we ended up with like 45 people at the first meeting. And the irony was, is people were trying to join and we're like, we don't even really know what membership is or going to be. We just had a meeting. We thought it would be fun. So then we uh, called Bob. Bob said, here's, here's what we do. Uh, this works. Kind of came up with a membership thing. And before we knew it, I can remember, I think it was late 06 when Kendra Todd won the Apprentice 3. Uh, she was actually uh, the pre-con girl uh, at the Broward Club and uh, before she made it to the Apprentice. And they were crushing uh, pre-construction sales, her company was. And when we had her speak, I think we had 450 people at that meeting because we had the current Apprentice winner. Wow. Okay. It's in two years, we went from, you know, 20 chicken dinners to uh, the, you know, the, the apprentice, but that's the market. The market was insane. So, you know, it, you, you always want to go with the tide. Okay. But it was pretty, it got more euphoric 2003 turned it into four or five. What was, what was the top of your market? What year was that? Our market statistically peaked here in, I can actually divergence to the downside was March of, oh, not March, August of 05. At that point, the volume started creeping up. You had your sales count start creeping down and prices started creeping up, which is just technical divergence to the downside. And that carried through all the way to late 06. And by then prices started correcting on the other side. It, and the market carried forward momentum probably almost a year before it right. really, and, and you had a whole year to get out, you know, and the irony was if you, if you sold it at 90% of the market in mid 06, you were the most brilliant human being on the planet in 2008. So <laughs> and, right. and you had a year, I mean, if you were watching the numbers, the one thing I really watch for Southwest Florida is the Cape Coral lot market because land represents hope. So when there's a lot of hope, land gets really hot. And like you said in your uh, your uh, your presentation, you know, it's probably the most dismal asset in the downturn. Uh, we were part, my company, Steelbridge Realty, we were part of a private equity firm called Silverleaf Advisors, and we were doing a lot of uh, distressed debt. And we did, I want to say in 2011 or 12, no, 12, uh, we entered into a purchase agreement on a bulk short sale of, uh, I think it was 53 lots in the Cape primarily. There's a couple in Lehigh, if I remember. And at that point, all of our lead investors wouldn't be part of it because they were, you know, they, and, and, and the spreadsheet clearly showed land at bottom and was coming out. Now, the BP oil spill kind of paused that for a second. That really kind of took some hope away from the market. And then as soon as we realized that, you know, we weren't all going to be bathing in oil, the lot market <laughs> continues to exactly where we are today. I want to go back. I want to. I want to hear the numbers that you would. You'll know at top up top of your head. So let's pick a dry lot in Cape Coral. Okay. What is the price today? What was it two years ago, approximately? As you well know, because you're doing a lot of business here, Cape Coral is a huge market, and it's broke down into legal units, which are kind of a square mile. So you really have to comp square mile by square mile. But to give you an example, uh, we, uh, a builder, we ended up with three lots, a three lot package from Fifth Third Bank, I believe it was, in unit 72, which is way south. I mean, that, that's kind of the cream down by Tarpon Point and all that. Okay. We bought those lots. I think we, the bottom of that asset was $12,000. We captured 18000 and thought we were brilliant. 
a year and a half later, they were 30. Uh, those lots today are right around 100. Wow. Now, 100 today, compare that to the peak in 2005 and six. Oh, is that those lots were a buck fifty. 150. Yeah. The the so, extreme South Cape, like in it's in a golf access neighborhood, it south of Cape Coral Parkway. Uh those lots uh at least 150. Okay. I mean, give me an example. Lehigh lots, I was picking them up at the at the bottom for fifteen hundred. Uh the same lots four years earlier were selling for fifty five thousand. The same lots today, now in the actual, in, there's two areas of Lehigh that are that are probably the most coveted. There's an area called the ABCs because all the streets are ABC. You're getting those in the retails 2022 now. And then 33976 is where all the builders really go because it's kind of right where uh, Daniels Road spills into there. It's got really good access to the interstate. And that those are 15 now. And but those were fifteen hundred dollar, thousand dollar lots all day at the bottom. And the peak of the peak of the two thousand five and six. Fifty five. Fifty five. <laughs> I uh, me and uh, one of the guys who founded the RIA uh, flipped a lot. I think we got it for like seven. We flipped it for fourteen. We thought we were brilliant. The year and we put it in a land trust. And a year later, the same land trust is, is floating around the RIA meeting at 55000 I was like, dude, we are so stupid. We just paid the taxes. Like, at I the mean, time, we, were, we thought we were brilliant. I'm like, we're the biggest idiots in this room. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. See, one of the reasons why I'm really interested in, I mean, you know the history of this stuff. So, uh, like, California investors are now are paying a premium on lots. But I also want them to put it in perspective that a lot of times it's a third of what it was the last peak. So that's a that's an interesting perspective. So this is definitely price has increased, and is still nothing close to what the two thousand five and six land market was. So, if you want, I've got some charts I could PDF and email to you of, of like long term pricing. Yeah, and, I'd love that. Uh, it, it, you could probably stick it in the uh, show notes. Okay, yeah, I'd love that. The what what drove the two thousand and five and six peak was that speculative investors or was that owner occupants that were just the last cycle three and four to mid oh four was a uh, a boom okay it was a booming growth market you had the pre-war baby boomers retiring with the wealthy boomer ones because within the, the the boomer generation it's a big generation there's really three cohorts within that generation there's a boomer one two and three if you ever want to understand that generation, Google Dell Web Boomer Survey, they did the most amazing data work. And uh, it really, like they talk about for music. I mean, if you're, if you say you're in real estate and you're opening a model center, all three cohorts love the Beatles, but then everybody loves the Beatles. So it's probably the best model center music you can have. Everybody loves it. And then particularly the people with the money at the time, baby boomers, if you played the Beatles, that was their jam. You were good. You know, you didn't you didn't offend anybody, and and also uh, I always try and avoid having elevator music anytime you're doing something. You really want something of substance. But the uh, so Hurricane Charlie hits this market in August, so we're already in an overheated. We're beginning to hit overheated. That's when stated income and no doc loans really started kicking in. I own a mortgage company then too. Okay, and so wages, the mortgages decoupled from wages right about that point. And then on top of that, you have a major weather event, which 
at first, everybody, if you remember, they were on the Today Show talking about all the palm trees that Edison put on McGregor were torn down, which they weren't. One palm tree fell, but it's the media, so they take a picture of the one palm tree. Everybody <laughs> thought we were dead up north. And, uh, and then what it did was go, hey, check out Southwest Florida. The market's hot. It's beautiful. And, you know, sound like a cool place to be. And most of them had vacationed here at some time or another. And then on the economic side, you pull out some inventory because there's some damaged homes. You have about $3 billion in insurance money got dropped in the market. So you've got new capital. And then you also have all the people coming in to fix it. So you've got a huge rental demand. That's right. All of a sudden, homes that were renting for eleven hundred a month were fifteen almost overnight, and it was just you. You would rent to a, a roofing company who would pay you six months up front. Yeah. Well, I tell you, you know, that's I was I got introduced to Florida in nineteen ninety two after Hurricane Andrew, <laughs> and uh, that was quite an education because uh, of that experience. Won't go into it right now, but yeah, I, I realized that hurricanes. The aftermath is really a very powerful driver of an economy. No doubt about that. Also, if you go back historically here, generally a hurricane at the beginning of a cycle creates a lot of attention. And then if you get multiple weather events within a two or three year period, it scares people and then they back away. So if you go back and look, uh, the Florida land boom in the 20s was really begun by one storm and ended by another storm. Everybody got scared after that storm. So it's really uh, weather events have shaped Florida real estate forever, particularly hurricanes. And we get them every so many years. It's just kind of a given, you know, it's just part of the game. You guys are pretty calm about uh, hurricanes. You know, when you, it's kind of funny. It's probably whatever you're used to. I remember there was, I was visiting some relatives in West Virginia and they were, I'm sorry, Missouri, this was my wife's relatives. And they, their house actually had been lifted up with it by a tornado and set a mile away and they survived. So wow. they, okay, so we're watching a baseball game and the, on the bottom, all of a sudden scrolls tornado warning. And I'm looking around the room figuring all, all you know, it's all gonna break loose here. No one moved. I, and so it happened again, I said, excuse me. And they said, oh yeah, that's not the, the word, the, the word you want is the, is the warning or the watch, not the warning. I said, okay. So when I'm leaving, I said, uh, well, you guys come out and see us. And they, they all of a sudden their face, their whole demeanor changes. They said, oh, you guys have earthquakes. <laughs> and I thought, okay, earthquakes, uh, you know, that's pretty mild compared to tornadoes, but they're, that's what they're used to. So people well, in, in Florida, Florida, a hurricane's just a three or four day house party. And if you lose power, like I live on the water, I have a pool, I have a guest house, so I can power the guest house with a generator and just we can go out there. But I got three or four days of jumping in the pool, basically day drinking. It's not terrible. It's, you know what I mean? And you just wait <laughs> yeah. for them to hook the power up. It's, you know, and, and unless you're, and here's something like you've got California investors coming out here. We helped uh, in the last downturn, uh, a bunch of investors build some amazing portfolios that are still paying their bills today. And uh, the eye wall of a hurricane's 60 to 90 miles max. But really, the destructive part's really about 30 miles. And it, you can actually overlay over a market in Florida, overlay where the eye walls have hit. Like I had one of my clients, uh, he did 28 properties, 14 in the Cape and 14 in Lehigh. And we did that on purpose because you're generally only going to get an eye wall that's truly going to hit the Cape 
are truly right. going to hit Lehigh. So you're only going to lose half your portfolio. So if you're, say you're investing in Florida, particularly in one geographic area, you don't want to put your entire portfolio where one eyewall, I mean, yeah, you've got insurance, but you know, you lose half, you, you know, you got your, you got the, you may not lose your cash flow, but you've got disruption. You got a lot of brain damage. The insurance claims are, they've gotten better. The last hurricane, the money flowed quicker. The interesting modality is they had all their approved vendors. So like all the tree guys ran all over town doing estimates and the insurance companies already had a tree guy in the mix. If you want it done right away, our guy's doing it. So they actually learned from the last couple ones and minimized uh, them getting ripped off and still got the work done. It was actually impressive. Okay. Well, that's good to know. That's one of the fears of any California investor because that's not something they faced before. For more information on hard money loans and upcoming events with the Norris Group, check out thenorrisgroup.com. For information on passive investing with trust deeds, visit tngtrustdeeds.com. The Norris Group originates and services loans in California and Florida under California DRE License 01219911, Florida Mortgage Lender License 1577, and NMLS License 1623669. For more information on hard money lending, go to thenorrisgroup.com and click the hard money tab.